Welcome to Friday on the Glenn Beck program with Pat filling in for Stu today. Um, we start off with a really good news hour. In fact, in fact, we stretch it to uh, almost two hours of good news. Things that are a little bit uplifting. Uh, would we have called it good news in the year 2000? Eh, maybe not, but definitely today. Also, uh, we tackle the racism in South Lake, Texas. Uh, you won't believe that story. Absolutely incredible and a lot more all on the podcast today you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program so uh, Pat, we're going to continue our good news uh into the next hour standby for that um but uh they're in the florida keys they're doing an experiment uh and uh they're they're wiping out all mosquitoes they're releasing 500 million gene hacked mosquitoes so they're all male and they have hacked the genes so they pass something on to the female and when the female reproduces uh the if it's a female they're the only ones that bite if it's a female they die out if this works that is genocide that's mosquito genocide <laughs> and I, i'm i hate mosquitoes i don't want to live around mosquitoes. i hate them but i think there's probably some purpose for mosquitoes when has it been okay we can't touch the rainforest because some unknown animal or some unknown plant that we don't even know is being destroyed and we're we're making them extinct but we don't have a problem making mosquitoes extinct does that sound smart to you that's another hard one because yeah i want mosquitoes to go away i this would only kill too this would only kill something like two percent of all mosquitoes though this doesn't do very much um which is why some of the residents are pissed go ahead a lot of the residents are mad because they're releasing half a billion. They're not even sure what's going to happen here. And uh, e- even if it's completely successful, it only wipes out 2%. Yeah, but isn't that because it's only a certain kind of mosquito? The idea yes. is to be able to do yes. this with all mosquitoes. And I'm, I'm for the <laughs> ratification of, of mosquitoes, but does somebody know what they do besides bite people? <laughs> This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. John Solomon is with us. There is a disturbing report happening now with Rudy Giuliani and John Solomon is is part of it, but he is also former Wall Street uh, Journal reporter uh CEO and editor in chief now of justthenews.com which is a news site that you should check every single day really good journalism being done there Rudy Giuliani had his apartment raided yesterday uh and uh it's kind of disturbing what we're hearing is happening John welcome uh, good to be with you Glenn thank you so tell us what happened yesterday and why as far as we could tell, and again, I, um, I'm, I'm a part of the news in this, so it's an unusual position to be a reporter and also be part of the news. The uh, FBI on Wednesday raided Rudy Giuliani's apartment at about 6.30 in the morning, 
they also raided uh, the home. Or not really raid, but they showed up at the home of a um, uh, Joe Genova and Victoria Tensing, who were personal lawyers for me on a book project. And they uh, secured uh, communication devices that were uh, requested under a subpoena, grand jury subpoena and a search warrant. And, you know, this has been a long running saga, right? There is a theory that Adam Schiff has put out into the into the public that somehow Rudy Giuliani and Victoria Tensing and Joe DeGeneva were working for foreign forces to remove the ambassador of the uh, U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, perhaps on behalf of Ukrainian officials. I don't know the merits of the case, right? Uh, I do know that I wrote uh, the majority of the Joe Biden stories, and this ambassador, Madam uh, uh, Madam Ambassador Ivanovich, Marie Ivanovich, uh, was the woman that was at the helm at the uh, embassy when Hunter Biden was doing all of his shenanigans with Burisma. And I wrote in the period of March until May the you know, the main stories that brought to light or reinvigorated the Hunter Biden Burisma Ukraine China money train, and and so. There, my name shows up in these search warrants and Sabina's, I'm told. And uh, again, I worked as a reporter. I talked to many people. Yes, Joe and Victoria were my lawyers who often did pre-libel work when I would submit a story to the Hill. And Rudy Giuliani approached me about information I have said publicly. I ended up not using what he gave me because it didn't match my reporting. And so I didn't use it, but he did offer me information. I, I don't think I did anything but act like a reporter. And many other reporters had the same contacts with the same people. But for some reason, maybe because all of us were instrumental in, in highlighting Hunter Biden's problems, uh, we now find ourselves entangled in this grand jury subpoena. So, you know, some people say it's an enemies list. I don't know. Uh, I hope to think not. And I would like to give the benefit of the doubt to the U.S. Attorney's Office that maybe they're looking at something. And when they look at the facts, they'll come to the right decision. But as a reporter, it's very chilling when your name gets leaked as part of a grand jury subpoena. Someone obviously wanted my name out there. That's why they put it on the subpoena. Adam Schiff wanted my name out there. That's why he leaked my phone records. And yet in two and a half years, no one's found anything wrong. And everything that people said about the Burisma story at the time, it's it's wrong. It's Russian disinformation. It's all been validated. It's so it's all true. I think this will go. And Ivanovich, the, uh, the ambassador in Ukraine, if just from the reporting that we did, yeah. uh, you you're you're, you're that she's she was not good she was not good uh and yeah. it would would be great if she were gone not on behalf of the uh the ukrainian government but just on behalf of the united states and its government and people it was well, not a good go. situation yeah what do we know about her that we didn't know during impeachment she was the darling of the impeachment testimony right she testified mm-hmm. during impeachment that she really didn't know anything about Hunter Biden's uh, Burisma thing except what she was briefed on before she became the ambassador and what she read in the newspaper. I sued, Mm -hmm. and we turned up all of these documents. She met with Burisma's lawyers. She received a long briefing from Burisma's lawyers. George Kent, the guy with the bow tie that made himself famous in the impeachment, he told her a bribe had been paid by Burisma, why Hunter Biden was on the board, and she reported it to her boss, Victoria Newland. None of that was in her testimony. A lot of people think she was at least deceptive by omission, if not outright dishonest. I know, because of the good work of Judicial Watch, that she ordered myself and Sean Hannity and many other famous people to have our 
uh, social media illegally monitored by federal agents and federal employees. It's, uh, the State Department cannot target Americans and use its intelligence resources. We know she did that wrong. We know she had a dysfunctional relationship with the Ukrainian prosecutor whose job it was to carry out her corruption, anti-corruption uh, agenda. Uh, I, I think the body of history that we know about Marie Ivanovich today versus what we knew about two years ago is very different. And, and I think, you know, unfortunately, most of the rest of the media got scared away from this story when Adam Schiff and the fake whistleblower and others started to make claims that, you know, aren't true. They, they you know, at, for a while, the New York Times and ABC News were reporting what I was reporting, and then they all ran for cover. If this happened 20 years ago, John, uh, to a reporter, uh, wouldn't all the reporters, everybody in the media be rallying around you? They sure would. In fact, ironically, Glenn, 20 years ago this month, it did happen to this reporter. I don't think I don't know if you remember this, but just before 9-11, when I was associated press reporter, the Bush administration, actually Robert Mueller, we've heard a lot about him over the years. He authorized a subpoena from my phone records trying to find out my sources on something. And then a few months later, without a warrant, they intercepted my mail at the border. They had to admit that that was an unlawful search and seizure. And the media rallied around me. Why? Because it was George Bush's Justice Department going after me. But when it's the Biden Justice Department, I haven't gotten a single call of support from a single journalist. And all those reporters who were looking at Biden, you know, who dropped off it, but no, there's a real story there. They've just gone silent because you know what? If they probably saw what happened to me, I got, you know, I have an impeccable reputation of journalism. I've worked very carefully to be fair to people my whole life, regardless mm-hmm. of political. They destroyed my reputation. They, they, they called me a Russian disinformation artist. No one wants to go through that. And, and I think they scared the rest of the media off. And silence will be the greatest sin of omission that the in- industry pays on this particular issue. They were silent. When Adam Schiff took my phone records, no one was outraged then, except for the Wall Street Journal op-ed pages. Please uh, count this as a uh, a genuine call of support, but not from anybody with any kind of journalistic credibility. <laughs> but we're behind oh, you, John. Uh, you. It's, it means a lot. It is, yeah, it, it is really bad. Now tell me, because Rudy Giuliani, uh, his son, came out and said they left all of the information about hunter biden's laptop is is that real or is was that just a you it's know true. Uh, yeah they, uh, rudy giuliani says he offered the laptop because it met the description of the electronic devices that should be seized and the agents told him he, they didn't want it that's what he said on tucker carlson last night uh now there could be a i'll offer because i always try to be fair and down the middle on these things yep, yep. they already have the hunter biden laptop so having another copy of it might not be as important to the FBI, they've had it. We know that, so maybe it's not a big deal. Here's something that I think is more shocking that Rudy Giuliani said that I don't think people picked up on. I've done the reporting this morning, and I have confirmed this. Rudy intimated, and I have confirmed affirmatively, that in November of 19, the Trump Justice Department, under the direction of Bill Barr, authorized the secret, it's called clandestine, seizure of uh, Rudy Giuliani's law records, uh, as well as Victoria Tensing's law records. Why is that so significant? It's very rare to do clandestine seizures of of data. But uh, in the case of Rudy Giuliani, I believe it was their cloud, you know, it's all of his records in the in the cloud from his email. Wait, wait, wait. So when you say law records, could that include 
attorney-client privileged stuff? It absolutely did, because the government had to set up a team and self-determine, because they weren't asking Rudy, what what uh, what records were privileged and what weren't. But think about oh the Oh, my moment. gosh. Yes, that, that's how far our surveillance state has gone. But And let's think about its significance from two things. They've had all this stuff for two years. They never brought charges. They had access to everything, and now they're going to raid his home and get the same stuff a second time. But here's a, here's a more important point. At that very moment in November of 2019, when those clandestine or uh, covert uh, seizures were occurring, he was advising the president's impeachment strategy as Adam Schiff was conducting the impeachment oh trial. Oh, my God. Victoria Newland, the, the, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York, may very well have had access to some of Rudy Giuliani's strategy, Ukraine. And remember, it was the Ukraine issue that was at the, Rudy Giuliani's role was the issue in the impeachment trial. It's a very chilling thing. Attorneys have privileges. Journalists are supposed to have privileges. It appears that the surveillance state of America, whether it's Adam Schiff's surveillance state with his subpoena for phone records or the Justice Department, doesn't seem to regard the privileges of attorneys or the privileges of journalists as robustly as they did 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. That is bone chilling, bone chilling. Um, I saw yesterday that the Justice Department just promoted uh, the individual that was was instrumental in the the FISA scandal. And uh, I believe she's now overseeing the relationship between the the people asking for warrants and and the FISA request. What is happening there? Nobody. Not only are they not getting punished, they're getting rewarded. It's been it's been the um, uh, the dynamic all through the Russia scandal, right? And Russia and Ukraine are in- inextricably intertwined. People don't realize that the Russia story, in many respects, was designed to throw a light on Donald Trump, a diversionary tactic, so people wouldn't look at what Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, and others were doing in Russia and Ukraine, because they all had relationships in both countries. It was a piggy bank for Democrats, and they threw, uh, uh, you know, a, a diversionary tactic by accusing Trump of doing something he never did. So Ukraine and Russia are going to forever be intertwined. That said, the you look, Pete, uh, Peter Strzok gets uh, fired for misconduct, and he lands on all of these prestigious jobs. Hunter Biden admits he does all these things wrong. He's giving lectures on the media now at a prestigious university. Um, uh, uh, Tulane. The, 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 yeah, Tulane, just in the last few days. The, de- the former deputy FBI director, McCabe, gets fired. He's able to raise zillions of dollars on GoFundMe. There's no consequences for bad conduct, at least on the left, you know, and then there seems to be extraordinary and maybe over the top penalties for people on the right. You take a look at Mike Flynn and Andy McCabe. They did the same thing. If you believe the FBI, they lied to the FBI. One goes through millions of dollars of law bills and and a prosecution before he gets pardoned. The other uh, doesn't get even charged and and under a, a Trump Justice Department. So. You just have to ask yourself whether this picture doesn't mm-hmm. really affirm what Republicans have been saying. There's a two-tier justice system. John, uh, please reach out if you need anything uh, personally or professionally. I and I know the audience is behind you as well. Anything that you need. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you, sir. You bet.
justthenews.com something you should check every day from john solomon justthenews.com this is the best of the glenn beck program Juan Salivar is uh, with us. He's a retired colonel, the United States Army, uh, and uh, he is one of the people in South Lake who has been very outspoken about what was going on with critical race theory and is changing for the better what was happening in the school district. He's going to walk us through what happened, why he and others got involved, and, uh, and maybe even some of the details on the arrests that are happening here. Juan, welcome to the program, sir. How are you? Hi, Mr. Beck. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. It's an honor to talk to you. I know your I know your service record, and uh, it's quite impressive. So thank you. So um, Juan, tell me how this happened. What you first heard, how you got involved, and what people have been doing. Yeah, sure. There's there's a lot of people in this community that were involved before I was. I wasn't really aware of what was going on until midsummer of 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic when I started to hear inklings of this program called the Cultural Competence Action Plan, CCAP for short. So it was released in draft form in late summer, and I went through it with a fine-tooth comb because I was concerned about what it was going to do. And I saw the seeds of critical race theory sprinkled throughout with terms like equity 135 times, diversity 104 times, Mm. inclusion 108 times, none of which were ever defined. In fact, the term cultural competence was never defined. What was defined in there was the term microaggressions, which put an emphasis on they could be verbal or nonverbal, intentional or unintentional, very much in the (laughs) mind of the beholder, if you will, um, Mm -hmm. targeting persons that are marginalized or underrepresented groups, never defining that either. And so what it was clear. Yeah, I, I, I read some of it. It is so it is so well written that it could include everything. I, I mean, I was bowled over by the line making eye contact or not making eye contact <laughs> could be racist. Correct. It's like, what? Correct. <laughs> so you pretty much have everything covered here. Pretty much. And that, and that was a yeah. big problem for me. My child's young, but I, I don't want her to grow up in a system where they're Uh, constantly infiltrating the curriculum with this nonsense. And it's really antithetical to the idea of human liberty and freedom and human flourishing, which is what education is supposed to be about. So South South Lake, I I don't know why you moved to uh, South Lake, but if you have kids, probably uh, a good deal had to do with the school district. It is a great town. Um, It's heavily influenced uh, in a positive way by by the people at Gateway uh, Church, um, so it's, it's a just a good, decent town. the 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 school is one of the best in uh, the country, the best in in Texas. And all of a sudden, they come in and they start making claims that South Lake is a as deep seated racism uh, in its roots, and the school is racist. And what they are teaching the teachers. Uh, and having the teachers spew is is poison, poison on for South Lake and for the kids. Yes, sir, Ab- absolutely poison. Uh, I will say that the vast majority of our teachers and principals are outstanding. They're outstanding not just 
educators but human beings. So I don't want to blame them. They don't control the curriculum um, as it's written. But I see this uh, moving in and kind of getting its, the camel getting its nose under the tent. And I thought, you know what? I need to stand against this. It's the right thing to do. We don't need to divide our kids into oppressors and oppressed based on their immutable physical characteristics, the way God made them. Okay, so what happened? You, you, everybody goes to the school board and start to speak up against it, and what happens? Well, it's what you would expect to happen from the left. So as soon as people started to speak up, the proponents of CCAP uh, immediately came back and accused our entire side of being racist. And this is typical for the progressive neo-Marxist postmodern right. thought, wherein they don't consider that there's any possible factors uh, other than racism for disagreement. Right. Well, and, it's, and, and it's, really remember, the uh, issue. I just want to remind uh, everybody that that Juan is a guy that makes eye contact and sometimes doesn't make eye contact. So, you know, right there <laughs> how racist he is. Uh, so they they started throwing everybody under the under the bus. Uh, and then what? Well, so then we started to do a lot of open records requests through the uh, an organization called South Lake Families PAC, uh, which is a, an association of like-minded individuals that want to make sure that we maintain parental authority in our schools and on our school board, um, mm-hmm. as as the government is supposed to be set up, authority delegated from the people to government at all echelons. And what we found, one of the troubling things we found was that the administration had applied for a VOCA grant. This is Victims of Crime Act. And what they were trying to do is criminalize the microaggressions, which we previously said could be anything, in order to get money. Now, you know, Mr. Beck, this is one of the most affluent communities in all of Texas. We have a tradition of excellence in our school and in terms of academics, sports, every area you can think of, and we don't have any real discernible dis- disparate impact among the demographic groups. And yet here we are with some folks thinking it would be a good idea to take money meant for victims of actual crime, funnel it into this society uh, for the purpose of criminalizing microaggressions. Mm. That's obscene. Obscene. It is. So what, ha- what happened with the, uh, the, the Carroll School trustees that have been now indicted of violating the Open Meetings Act. Yes, sir. So there were two trustees uh, that were accused of violating the Texas Open Meetings Act, which basically says you can't have a walking quorum, you can't have meetings in secret, deliberations in secret, and and we believe they were deliberating to implement CCAP in secret, um, and and an investigation started in the wake of a lawsuit that was filed by one of the parents. And this particular parent has gotten a lot of flack from the left about this lawsuit. How dare you sue our schools? But the truth <laughs> of the matter is the school system deserved to be sued. Yes. And so uh, the, the authorities started to investigate uh, on a criminal basis and, you know, had enough evidence to make two arrests. We had two school board members that were arrested, uh, I think, at their homes. They paid $500 bond and were released. And within... 48 hours were back sitting in their seats at the next school board meeting. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So what's next? What, 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 how, how, how far on the fight on this are you and what's next? We think 
as a group, we think we've pretty well uh, defeated the imposition of the CCAP. There are some people that still want to uh, push its implementation. Mm-hmm. What we're starting to see now is uh, a revision of their words. They're not talking CCAP anymore. Now they're talking diversity, equity, and inclusion, mm-hmm. or as I like to say, the diversity, inclusion, and equity religion, the die religion. Um, mm-hmm. And they've taken to dropping the mm-hmm. word equity suddenly uh, because we have an election going on right now. And the final day of voting is May 1st for local uh, South Lake uh, City Council mayor and school board positions. And so uh, we're, we're keeping an eye on that. The one thing I would say is, and, and I think this is true across the board around the country, the, the mainstream media has really become the center of gravity for the left's movement. They, they use them to push their false ne- narratives and prevent any kind of counter messaging. They suppress us with that. So I want to thank you specifically for having me on to talk about this because folks like you, uh, Fox, the Federalist, are able to amplify our voice and get our ideas out there. We are not scared of having the debate, having an open battle of ideas because we know our, our ideas are better. But the left always wants to suppress our ideas because they want control. They don't care about a battle of ideas which is precisely the opposite of what we should be teaching our children in our schools. Juan, I, I wanted to have you on for a couple of reasons. One, uh, I've seen you speak, and you you were amazing. Two, uh, you guys are making a real difference. Uh, I mean, you could change the makeup of the school board in this election and change the, the whole route that uh, Southlake was taking in the school district if you remain vigilant on it, because they will just come back. They'll morph and they'll come back. Um, But the other is there are so many people that think that happening in my community. Southlake, the school system is fantastic. There is, it is not a racist community. It's, they have no racial problems to speak of uh, in the, in the school district. And it's riddled with this critical race theory now. And it just came in overnight. And I wanted people to understand this is happening in your community as well. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And, and I think it's important for people to realize how the left operates. So uh, we see this in the younger grades. My daughter's in K through four with something called social and emotional learning. And, you know, you can look that up on the Internet and you'll see that it's one of the latest fads to come out in uh, education circles. But the truth is what it does is it prioritizes and emphasizes the primacy of emotion over thought. And so it serves as a primer for the tactics of the left to impose these kind of critical race theory ideas in the later school years. And so we have. From the left, the main argument is, what about these 300 plus, depending on who you talk to, it's between 300 and 400 plus testimonies of people who were, quote unquote, abused in Carroll ISD. But you'll note that none of them have ever been investigated. There's no real evidence. I'm not saying that discrimination doesn't happen at all. Uh, I've been subjected to it over the course of my life, but I am saying that if it's really that big of a problem, every single instance should be investigated. And just as it's not my uh, purview to deny someone's quote-unquote lived experience, neither is it my responsibility to affirm it without evidence. Otherwise, you find yourself in a situation like we saw with the Kavanaugh hearings. 
believe all, insert demographic group. Women, people of color, uh, individuals that are have same-sex attraction, whatever you want to put in there, fill in the blank. That is a recipe for breaking our country apart, and we have to stand against that. One, you just retired from your military service, uh, a very yes, honorable one. And it looks like you're just not really retiring. You're still doing the same thing. Well, sir, I, I took an oath to defend, to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, on the plain of West Point when I was 18 years old. And that didn't go away when I retired. Um, and, I, you know, unlike some people, I took it upon myself to say, well, you know, if I'm going to support and defend the Constitution, I should darn well know what's in it. And what you find is, and, and I don't want to go too far afield here, but what you find is if you really look at it, What's in the Constitution is the codification of our natural rights. These are the Enlightenment mm-hmm. principles that our founders laid down on paper and said, we have inherent rights that were given to us in a state of nature by God that are discernible by reason. And we don't want to have a society where we solve our problems with violence. We want to have a society where we solve our problems with debate. Violence is the last, least preferable option. But we only go to that when we have to. And so that, that's where we are right now. It's time for parents everywhere to stand up against this, fight for what they know is right before it's too late. Juan, thank you so much. I, I, I do want to, I don't mean to cheapen this whole thing, but uh, you commanded the units in the first army at Fort Knox. Did you ever see the gold that they let you go in? <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. I saw the building where the gold was housed. The gold was housed. Uh, you never went in. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, I'm, I live in the, uh, one of the towns that adjoin uh, South Lake, and uh, you have my support in South Lake. Anything that I can do, and I hope someday that we'll get a chance to, to meet each other. Thank you so much, Juan. Yes, sir. If I could just say one last thing. Uh, parents sure. interested in fighting back, go take a look at wiseguytalks.com, southlakefamiliespack.org, No Left Turn, and No Left Turn in Education, Texas. You will find resources there to help you fight back. You are not alone. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless.